I like to read um, a lot, and it's become a, a passion, and uh, especially in COVID, um, just found myself in my office on my chair reading into the night. And uh, last year, I got this little bitty book um, about these guys and girls called Desert Fathers and Mothers, um, third and fourth century uh, these Christians that um, went out into the desert of North Africa and began to pray on behalf of the church. Um, St. Anthony was one of the guys that led the way, and he goes, we are going to fight uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil for Jesus. They didn't go to abandon the world. They went to do it uh, to fight for Jesus and the culture. And, and so this, this pastor rose up from within them. His name was John Christodom. And John had this line that I read the, um, back in January, right after we announced that we were taking this position and feeling God call us to, uh, to Texas and, and what he had in front of us. And, and the passage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, it's not on the screen, but, it's, but it said something to this effect. As a pastor, and he's been speaking to pastors, never let your church, the church you serve, think that you love them more than they love you. So thank you for loving me, for loving my wife, for loving my daughter. I'm a PK, and I, I talk about that a good bit. And, uh, and when I, I became a PK at five years old, so I grew up right next to my grandparents. And then at five, my dad said, I'm becoming a pastor. And he was a local pastor in South Georgia, which went up, he got moved every four to five years growing up. And we would go to these churches and I remember one of the first things he came home at six years old. I remember this vividly. He came home and um, him and my mom were talking. And as a, at that time, I was an only child. Um, I overheard things at the dinner table, you know, and I heard them say that some of their bosses had told them, giving them advice on how to pastor a church, not to fall in love with the community and not to do life deeply with the community because you're going to leave in four to five years. And that's going to be really hard. And so I grew up, um, and they did the best they could, and they did an incredible job. They're incredible pastors in South Georgia. And, uh, but I grew up with this mindset, and I don't even know if my mom and dad took on that mindset. I would say they didn't, but as a six-year-old, I heard that. And I began to move around to different churches. And then um, after college, I began to pastor churches myself um, in North Georgia, and then London, and then South Georgia. And uh, Claire will tell you, we were welcomed in a lot of places. We weren't loved anywhere, really. We were welcomed. They were kind. But they didn't, like, bring us into the community. Does that make sense? They didn't bring us into their home. They didn't, they didn't bring us in because as that church, their pastors had come and gone and come and gone. So this was protection for them. It was just a, a messed up system. And we came here, and you guys flipped that on our head. And we made plans here forever. So it's hard when God calls you somewhere and you know that he's called you somewhere to lay down your dream of what you thought he had called you to. And so you have taught me how to be obedient and how to love and how to have hope in every situation how healing is always at Jesus's fingertips and he's calling us each day into wholeness for his kingdom, for his namesake, for his glory. 
And so thank you for the honor to be your pastor or one of your pastors. But make it no mistake, you have loved us way more than we could have ever loved you. So thank you. Now I need to preach. (laughs) Will you stand? I know you've already stood. Will you stand for the reading of God's word? going to be in 1 Samuel 3. It says this, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time he called the Lord. The Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that, that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down for if he calls you, say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came. He stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Amen. You may be seated. Last year, I got to go uh, during the summer to the beach, and I love the beach. I grew up in South Georgia, so it wasn't far away, but we had not been to the beach in a long time. COVID had a lot to do with that, different things. But we were going to the beach with my family, and which also meant we were going my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, who's eight years younger than me. And this was also Emmy Joe's first time to the beach. So to say we were excited was like an understatement. Like we got here, we, we left on a Sunday afternoon and we drove down. And I was, could not wait to hit the sand that next morning with my whole family and all the gear that they brought and, and just relax for a week on the sand and just to, just to like feel the sun on my face and to hear the laughter of my daughter and to hear the conversation. We purposely went to like Mexico Beach, which is east of Panama City. They got wrecked by a hurricane a few years ago. So no one else would really be there. Like we just wanted silence and solitude. And so that morning we got up, we went down to the beach, we got all ready, and then it was all interrupted by my brother, who I love, and he's going to watch this, so I love you, but he ruined it. We're, we're there, I'm watching Emmy Joe play in the sand and, and, and jump in the waves and have no fear and hearing the birds chirp and all these things, just so good. And then my brother brings out like his Bluetooth speaker and begins to blare like top 20 country music so that like whoever's on the beach could hear it. Now, mind you, I like country music just like the next guy. I do, Jacob got in my car the other day, Country music was on the radio. Like, I like it. But at that moment, what I was looking for was just like peace and solitude and silence. And so later that night, I escaped the room after Amy Joe went to bed and Claire fell asleep and I went to the beach and I just walked to the beach by myself. And it was beautiful and it was peaceful. 
And it was so dang loud in my head. I couldn't control my thoughts. Like they were everywhere. And so what did I do? I took my AirPods out, I popped them in, I turned on some music, and I finished my walk and talk with Jesus. Author and entrepreneur Jordan Rayner says this in his book, Redeeming Time, we have to take some responsibility for our lack of silence. Because if we are honest, most of us are afraid of what we'll hear if the noise ever stops. I graduated high school. This is going to date me, whatever. I graduated in 2007. And, uh, and so that was the first year the iPhone came out. And people that watch it, scientists and different researchers, began to see in 2012 this skyrocket in watching people claim and, and identify themselves as having anxiety, depression, um, worry, stress at a high level, higher than they've had in the past 80 years, that you had to go all the way back to the Great Depression, not even World War II, the Great Depression to see the level of Americans that had this high of anxiety, depression. It's exactly the moment in the data that shows us that we crossed over as a country of 50% of our people having a smartphone. This is the same time frame that social media starts, YouTube starts, and all of this stuff is giving access to us. And then and in the decade from 2007 to 2017, the American population was the least productive it had been as a workforce for the last 45 years. But we had access to everything. We had access to everything. But the truth is the silence and the solitude is the very thing that we are desperate for in our age and in our day. Pastor and author John Mark Comer says this, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. Rarely does the voice of God show up in a scream or a yell, can. But all throughout the, the nature of God that we learn in the word, most of the time it's in a whisper. And the noise drowns out that whisper. Last year, I read this verse, Psalm 10, 4. It says this, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, meaning God. This, this next one's the one that got me. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. That was written a really long time ago. Pre-phones, pre-stuff, pre-distraction, pre-electricity, pre-whatever. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. And there's two things happening in that verse that apply to us today. Like, like, where do we find ourselves in the pride of this wicked man that does not seek God? And not out of like, not out of not of a love for God, but just because the rhythm of our life is so fast paced and so much going on that in our like just going for it and doing the thing out of good intention, mostly we don't seek God. And even in the times that we do seek God, and even in that struggle, what happens is in all of our thoughts, there is no room for God. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but we do need to address it. There's a reason we take melatonin before bed and then turn on our TV to Everybody Loves Raymond just to fall asleep to the noise, but the melatonin helps us sleep. Just me? Okay. I'm admitting it. No, this, this, this rhythm is there. And so God have mercy on us. 
In our scripture today, we find this boy, Samuel. And Samuel is an incredible story. Go read it, like chapter one and chapter two in 1 Samuel. If you don't know the story, his mom, Hannah, cannot have kids. And and she cries out to God for a kid. And so God blesses her with Samuel. She goes, if you will give me a kid, I'll give him right back to you, Lord. And so she gets pregnant the next year. And in in her promise to God, she takes the boy Samuel. And once he's weaned, she takes him back to the temple and hands him to Eli, the high priest, and said, he is yours. He is God's. Like he will minister under you. And that's where we find ourselves today in our scripture. So let's go through the scripture again, verse one through seven. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There's so much going on in this scripture. This, this high priest who's, who's older in age um, is laying down somewhere in the temple quarters, but he's not near the ark of God where, where God resided and God would meet them. He was in a, in a different room and he's, he's older. He can't hear that well. He can't see that well. But, then, but he knows the word of the Lord. But then you've got Eli or Samuel. Samuel's a little boy and Samuel's job is to lay down near the ark of the covenant where God would meet him. He's young. He does have ears to hear. He does have eyes to see what Eli cannot see. And so there's this like juxtaposition of also in the land in that day, the word of the Lord was rare. But now you've got the word of the Lord showing up. And so two times Samuel is, is there as a young boy and he hears the word, of the word of the Lord call him by his name. He says, Samuel. So Samuel does what he's supposed to do. He gets up, he goes to honor the guy that he is serving under. He runs to Eli and he goes, you called me. And see, Samuel sends, or Eli sends him back to lay down. I didn't call you. And again, you, just the confusion in this young boy's head. He hears the word of the Lord again, call his name. And he's like, it already happened, but he said it wasn't him, but I heard it again. I'm hearing this new thing. So he gets up and he runs back to Eli and he says, hey, you called me. And Eli goes, no, 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 you, go, go back and lie down. I did not call you. Here's some things that we can take from this early on in this story. And the first is this, God calls you by name before you know his voice. God calls you by name before you know his voice. So no matter who you are in here tonight, you are welcomed in this place, you are loved, you are cared for, you have a place in here, not just the seat that you're sitting in, but in this community, you have a place. And no matter your past or present or what you're planning on in the future, God is calling you by name. Whether you've heard him or not, we can trust this. He's calling you by name. But the second thing that we learn from this is also true. We can have the right response, but directed in the wrong place. Samuel has the right response. He knows he's he's responding to his name. 
and all that he knows how to do. Remember, the, it's, it's been rare visions of Jesus, rare words of the Lord showing up. Samuel doesn't yet know the voice of God. And so what does he do? He does what all he knows to do. And he runs over and he asks Eli, you called me, I'm here. What would you need? How can I serve you? How can I be there for you? And I think this is what we're doing with the noise in our life. I think it's what we're doing with the noise. The noise is the thing that we're directing the who am I? So we, so we for my generation and for all of us, really, we check social media. What, what does it mean to be living in Wilson County or wherever we are online? So I, I don't know that answer. So I turn on Fox or CNN or ABC or BBC to get who I am or what I'm supposed to think or what I'm supposed to go on or, or who am I? So I go ask all of my friends, who do you think I am? What am I talented at? What am I good at? What do you see in me? And this whole thing is this noise that's coming up in our life and in our rhythms but it's drowning out the one voice we need. It's drowning out the one voice that we are so desperate for. But let's keep reading, see what happens. 1 Samuel 3.8, a third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. The persistent of the young man is incredible here. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. Now watch this. And if he calls you, not if I call you, because he knows who it is. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, although Samuel is directing his attention to the wrong place to Eli, that's not who he should be responding to. Eli is not should, be, should not be thrown away in the story. Eli is desperately needed in the story because without Eli in the story, Samuel never figures out maybe that it's God calling him. So past Sunday, I, sat, I came up and one of the people in my small group who I love dearly, one of the families, they had a baby over COVID. They wanted Mary Margaret baptized. And so I got the honor and the privilege as their pastor to baptize and be a part of that. And so we went through it and then we baptized this little girl, this baby. She's not gonna remember this moment, but it marked her in her life. And then what did I do? If you were here and you've seen these baptisms, we take the child and we walk and say, this is your family. This is who will love you and be there for you. This is who will be your small group leaders and your confirmation leaders and the person that will give you their first, your first job and the person that will pray for you daily and love you. This is a community thing. And so Samuel can never get to, in my, in my understanding, Samuel never gets to knowing it's the word of the Lord without Eli directing him, leading him and guiding him. We need each other's wisdom to help process what we hear when we listen to God. We need each other. We need each other. So last year on my birthday, my birthday's May 5th. It's a fun birthday, Cinco de Mayo. Guess where we eat dinner? And uh, every year. And uh, and so I woke up that morning. It was a Wednesday morning and um, I had my quiet time. I'd taken half the day off. Claire, my wife, had taken half the day off. Um, I did my stuff. They got up, they got going. And then I took Emmy Joe, our two and a half year old little girl to daycare. And I came back and Claire and I were getting ready for the day. We were gonna go have brunch in Nashville, go find somewhere on a Wednesday that wouldn't be crowded. And as I was getting ready that morning, a friend of mine texted me uh, who works on our staff here. And she just said, happy birthday. 
And when she texted me happy birthday, this thing flipped in my mind. And the thing that flipped was that for the first two and a half hours of being up, I was living in this reality that wasn't true. See, I don't know if you've had this happen. I had a dream the night before, and the dream was so vivid and so real. I never had this happen before, that when I woke up, I just lived as though that dream was real. And the details of the dream aren't important. It didn't cause like a crisis of my faith, but it did cause me to like desire and need to wrestle with God like Jacob did. And it really scared me. Like I remember like driving and I didn't say anything to Claire because I didn't want to scare her or like worry her. It's like, I need to figure some of this stuff out. And so like I quickly like talked to one friend and then called my spiritual director and I called my counselor and I needed to talk to them. And then I just sat by myself that afternoon. I said, God, who else do I need to invite into this process? Usually my friends will tell you I'm a very out loud processor. I'm a very like, hey, this happened just right now. Can you help me with it? But this one was like, this is a little too close. And so I, I, who, did I, who do I reach out to? Who do I let in? and God gave me two other people, a pastor who's a friend of the pastors on staff here in Florida, and then a friend of mine who is a lovely, lovely woman of God, who's just one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard, uh, who is down in Huntsville, Alabama as an optometrist. And, uh, and so I began to meet with these people all June and Jul- May and June and July. And just so you know, so you're not like thinking bad of me, two weeks in, I told Claire what was going on. And uh, brought her into the conversation. And then about halfway through the summer, I brought another spiritual mother into the conversation because I needed their wisdom to process what God was speaking to me in this dream, leading me to wrestle with this in this dream. I knew I didn't stand on the wisdom of myself. And the, and, the, and the psalm that I clung to last year during all of this was Psalm 4610. You know it. It says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I had to learn to be still in a different rhythm and a different pace of my life. I haven't perfected this. I don't have this all figured out. Like I'm still trying to figure out ways to enter silence and solitude. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I had to embrace the silence and solitude like never before because I was just desperate to hear what God was saying. And so if I can say anything to you on my last sermon, my last word to you, what do I think you need for your own walk? What do I think Wilson County needs from you as a person who goes to church here? What does our country need, our world need? It needs this. We must intentionally abandon the noise so we may listen with rich anticipation to hear the voice of God. We must intentionally It's not just going to happen. Intentionally abandon the noise of this life so we may listen with rich anticipation to hear the voice of God. Because here's what I'm convinced of more now than ever. God is speaking to each of you. He has a word for each of you. He has a comfort for each of you. Some of you just need to hear the word of the Lord that your father in heaven says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. Maybe that's the only thing that you need to hear. Maybe you need to hear that God says, I have everything in my hands and in my sovereignty and my love, I hold you together. And it doesn't mean you don't walk through the darkest night of the soul. It doesn't mean that you don't walk through the the valley of the shadow of death. It just means that I walk with you each and every step. So what happens for Samuel? Says this in 1 Samuel 3, 9. So Samuel went 
and lay down in his place. That boy didn't go back to sleep, y'all. Can you imagine? Three times he's been silent in solitude, doing what he was supposed to do. He's heard the word of the Lord. He's heard God call him by name, and he's missed it three times. But God's faithful, and he's gentle, and he's kind, and he's loving. And Eli says, hey, it's, it's God speaking to you. Go back and lie down. And I'm just being honest with you. He's sitting there, and he's, he sits there. And there's, you ever had like way too much caffeine? Yeah, me too. And uh, he's sitting there, and his hands can't stop moving. The only thing that he sees is the lamps that are still burning on the altar rail. I mean, how long did it take? Was it two minutes? I mean, did God speak that fast? Was it 30 minutes? I mean, did he have to wait an hour? So he just sits there and he fidgets and he wonders, did I miss it? Well, will he speak to me again? Was he, was he really trying to speak to, to Eli, but like I was in the room, I wasn't supposed to be in the room, but I was in the room. Man, why did I run to Eli? He's just waiting. He ain't going to sleep. Stomachs and knots. I bet sometimes when the, when the flame flickered, you know, just like as candles do, like, oh, is that? No, not it. He just sat there and he waited. And he waited. I don't know how long he waited. I know he was faithful to wait. He was obedient to wait. And so he waited. And God is good. And so he listened. Now there's a difference in the first three in this encounter. The first three times, he just hears the word of the Lord call his name. This next time, he's listening for it. Now, there's a big difference in hearing and listening. I'm learning that. I got like a two and a half year old little girl. Y'all know that? Like calling her name. She hears me. She ain't listening. I'm just now learning this. Claire would say like, hey, I learned that like right when we got married. Um, yeah, I learned from you the difference in hearing and listening. But, but, but hearing is passive. Everybody that's in this room or online with us right now, you, you, he, you hear the sound of my voice as long as the volume's working on your computer, as long as everything's working out, you hear me. But, but it's just a passive thing that happens. But he said, go and listen. listen. Listening, though, is intentional. Listening actually takes patience. Listening takes practice. Listening requires focus. So the day after I heard God speak to me, um, it was in July, so May, June, and July. I get to July and um, not telling anybody, and I feel God say, I sense God say, I'm in, in a counseling moment with my spiritual director and my counselor. We're just in silence, we're solitude. And after about 10 minutes, I just, in my spirit, hear God say, Pierce, you are my beloved son. And from that and that alone, I am calling you to help lead the local church. And I was like, I'm already doing that. What does that mean? That's all I got. So I go to the beach. 
That's why I wanted silence and solitude that next night, 24 hours later. I needed to process stuff, but my mind wouldn't slow down for all that was wondering. That was also the week that Jacob had a seizure. And so things shifted for us. Focus shifted as it should, as it was good to. But in September, a few months later, um, Jacob came back, began started coming back, and um, I had talked to Dan, and Dan said, it's time to tell Jacob and Mark. I was kind of waiting on when to tell them, and I brought them into the story, and we just began to pray together um, and listen together. What may God be up to? What is he up to? Went to a conference in September, the week after we talked, and I just said, God, if you in your kindness and your love, would you, would you like speak to me like prophetically? I believe in the prophetic and I believe in words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And after the first session, I'm sitting on the front row and this guy comes up to me and he was like, hey, you're Pierce. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, hey, at the end of the worship, you were walking across the front of the stage and, um, and God just told me to tell you something. Is it okay if I share with what he, t- what he told me? And I was like, sure. And uh, he said, God just said that you and him have been wrestling for like six months, very vigorously, like Jacob and God. And he spoke to you about seven weeks ago. He just wanted you to know you can trust what he, you heard seven weeks ago. I mean, it's almost to the day. I'm like, okay. I got five more prophetic words from four other strangers over that two and a half days, not telling me what was next, but just confirming that we were headed in the right direction. I can't make a lot of promises in this life, um, but I can make this one. If you seek and listen and embrace the silence and solitude, God will speak to you. I've never heard God audibly. so like. But if you seek, he's, he's faithful to his promises. If you seek and listen, if you embrace the silence and t- solitude, be intentional about it, be rich with anticipation that the, the, the creator of the universe is gonna speak to you, God will be faithful to his sons and his daughters. And we see this in our last scripture. 1 Samuel 3.10 says this, the Lord came. Now, the last time you said the Lord came and spoke. He said the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Speak for your servant is listening. Together with, with Eli, Samuel has the right response in the right direction. I want to give you a few handles as we finish today, how you can begin to like practice this, step into this, Um, because it's going to be a disruption to your rhythm of life if silence and solitude is not a part of it. And the first is not just for the kids in the room, it's for everybody. You need to learn, and I need to learn, to parent your cell phone. This isn't a talk about cell phones, by the way, but it's the thing that causes some of the most noise in our life. You need to parent your cell phone and and your computer If you have kids, they need to see that. If you have grandkids, they need to see that. Put it up. Don't touch it for the first hour that you're up in the morning, the first two hours, whatever you can do. If you have to wake up earlier, wake up earlier. God's worth it. And so parent your phone. The other is this. Learn to take walks alone and with others without technology. And talk. And talk. Pete Gregg, pastor and founder of the 24-7 Prayer Movement, uh, recently said in the podcast I heard, he goes, if you don't learn to walk and talk with God, you'll miss out on why you're on planet Earth. <laughs> I love that. You should check it. I mean, I'm not, I don't know this guy, uh, but you should check out his new book on hearing God because it, it breaks this all down. 
The next thing I want you to do is I want you to learn and begin to read either the Psalms or the Gospels out loud. Maybe a little different. Read it out loud. There's something that happens in our souls when our ears hear our own mouth speaks the truth of God. And so pick a Psalm, just one Psalm, or go through the gospel each morning or each day or whenever it is and begin to uh, just speak it out loud and let yourself hear it. The next is most the weirdest one and the one that I've really begun to practice in the last year and I'm not great at it yet, but I'm trying. Uh, and it's called listening prayer. And I try to do it in the morning, if I'm honest. I don't always do it in the morning, but I try to find 10 minutes a day. And I set a timer on my phone for 10 minutes. And I set my phone aside and I sit in the chair, somewhere silent, somewhere in solitude. And I just put my hands on my, on my, on my knees and I say, come Holy Spirit, for I am listening. And sometimes it's just me being faithful. Sometimes there's a piece of, the peace of Christ comes over me. And sometimes the creator of the whole world speaks. Sometimes the one who said, let there be light, and there was light in the darkness, he speaks. But there's a reason. There's a reason that I put scripture before listening. Because the whisper of God will never go against the word of God. And so if you're sitting by yourself and you're wondering, how do I know if that's God or me or Mexican last night or like what I had or like the coffee or whatever, the whisper of God will never contradict the word of God. And so I'm not saying that you flip through this Bible and feel like you heard from God and find one obscure text that matches what you think you heard and go, well, that's, that's God for me. No, I want you to match it with the, with the whole nature of his scripture, the whole rhythm of his scripture. How does God reveal himself to us in his scripture? And then as you listen, test it. Pastor Rich Velotis, it's going to take some time. It's different. Pastor Rich Velotis says this. He says, uh, if, if in 10 minutes of silent prayer, your mind wanders a thousand times, I know the band's coming up. Stay with me. If, you're, if your mind wanders a thousand times, it's just simply a thousand more times to come back to the loving feet of Jesus. Two more practices and we're done. You need somebody to process this with. That's why we're doing discipleship groups. So you can process with what's going on in life. You need to find some people that, that you would say, not, not in regard of age, but you would just say, hey, they're a lot smarter than me and begin to meet with them. Say, hey, like, God's up to something. Like, I think I heard God. What do you think? I mean, this man right here, Mr. Norman, he's a retired pastor. And somehow he answered an email from me years ago. And I said, hey, can I take you to lunch? I'll take you to anywhere you want to go in Nashville. And he was like, how's Wendy's sound? <laughs> I'd have taken you anywhere. You could have ate really good. And you were like spicy chicken sandwich for one. Um, but I would go and I would sit and I would just bring him questions. And his wisdom would just pour out over me. And I sat down with Jude Lenz, Nemo Rose. I said, Jude, what are you up to? What's God doing in your life? And, and this man of God is just incredible. He would begin to pour out what God's up to and what God's calling him. And he's figuring out now. We're all in that fear. But I would just be so uh, encouraged in the faith and encouraged in my walk because this young man is following after. It has nothing to do with age. It just has to like sit down with someone, have somebody be an Eli to you for a little bit. Let somebody be a David to you. Let somebody be a Paul to a Timothy. Like do this in community. And finally, do what he calls you to do. 
be obedient. Go on and read the rest of Psalm First uh, Samuel 3. Samuel actually gets a really hard word for Eli. It's a rebuke to the high priest. Do whatever God tells you to do. For us, it looks like moving. That's not easy. It's not easy. But it's faithful and he's good. God desires for you to hear his distinct voice for you in this time and in this day. Please hear me. It is not complicated, but it does take intentionality. It is not complicated, but it does take intentionality. So will you stand as we begin to, to, to worship one more time? I've just got this line on, on the screen. It says this, here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So a few times, let's just say that out loud. So your own ears can hear it, your own mouth, your own soul, declare it. So here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.